We are concluding this morning not our study of the Ten Commandments, however, our study of the Sabbath. And so I'd like to ask you to turn and read along as I read aloud from God's Word, but as we have been done... I'll get this straight. I'll give you an opportunity to say something. As we've been doing over the last several weeks, going through the commandments up to this point using the mnemonic device, one rhymes with what? And when you think of the first commandment, one rhymes with run. Thou shalt have no other gods before me. Okay, two rhymes with zoo. And when you think of the zoo, you think of... <laughs> critters. Critters. <laughs> critters, or beasties, or whatever. <clears throat> Thou shalt not make any graven images. People frequently make them in the form of animals or whatever, so some sort of critters or beasties. Or, um, three rhymes with tree. tree. And when the tree falls on your foot, you do not say the wrong thing. <laughs> that, that is, thou shalt not take the name of the Lord thy God in vain. Four rhymes with door. And you think of the church door. Thou shalt remember the Sabbath day to keep it holy. And there's, there's more things, but these are just a, a, a smidgen of each of the commandments in order to remember them and memorize them. Exodus chapter 20, and I would encourage you, if you have a Bible, to read along as I read aloud from God's Word, beginning with verse 8. Remember the Sabbath day by keeping it holy. Six days you shall labor and do all your work. But the seventh day is a Sabbath to the Lord your God. On it you shall not do any work, neither you nor your son or daughter, nor your manservant or maidservant, nor your animals, nor the alien within your gates. For in six days the Lord made the heavens and the earth, the sea, and all that is in them. But he rested on the seventh day. Therefore, the Lord blessed the Sabbath day and made it holy. Let's pray. Dear Lord, as we come together to look at your word, it is with a sense of excitement and enthusiasm because we realize that your word is the word of life. We realize that we are not looking at an, an academic exercise. We are not immersing ourselves in a dead book, but instead we realize that that this book is your word which is living and active and it is able to penetrate into our hearts and into our minds and change them and transform them through your power into what you desire for us to be. And so we ask, Lord, as we look at your word together that you would transform our hearts and our minds and our lives, that we would be people who bring glory and praise and honor to the God of the universe who has created us. We pray that you would give us wisdom as we conclude our examination of remembering the Sabbath day to keep it holy. We pray that you would give us insight in order that we might apply these principles and commands that you have given to us in your word in ways that are fitting and honoring to you. I pray, Lord, that my words might be in keeping with your word because your word alone is holy. In Jesus' name, amen a very smidgen bit of background. Why three Sundays on the Sabbath day? Well, the first, I think the Sabbath day involves more time to get into it for the simple reason that many people, many Christians today, 
regard the Sabbath as being the one commandment that is no more. And so when people look at the Ten Commandments today in our culture and frequently in the church, what they are saying is there really aren't ten, there are nine. There are nine commandments. And that's why all the time on it. The first Sunday we looked at the <clears throat> what the culture says regarding this and we examined that and a little bit of what God's Word had to say from different areas regarding how we live in a culture which is contrary to God's Word. Last Sunday, we looked specifically at this commandment, most of this commandment, and broke it down and carried it out and made the logical conclusions and saw from it what exactly it means to remember the Sabbath day by keeping it holy. Six days you shall labor and do all your work, but the seventh day is the Sabbath to the Lord your God. On it you shall not do any work, neither you nor your son or daughter, nor your manservant or maidservant carrying these things out. What do they mean? Practically speaking, how do they apply? Now, there's a big chunk of Scripture that I have not brought in for the most part up to this time. And that is, in in little parts, yes, but not as a whole. And that is the New Testament. What about Christ in the Sabbath day? Because isn't that the point at which most people say, okay, this is the point at which things fall away, and the Sabbath day becomes a principle and a commandment that no longer is applicable because we see Christ, um, he, he doesn't really treat it the way they did in the Old Testament, does he? Now, as we look at it, we'll find that he does treat it as they did in the Old Testament, if they treated it correctly. And so today we're looking specifically at examples from Scripture. What happened with regard to the people of Israel? Christ... <coughs> the church in their observance of the Sabbath day. What, ex- what were the exact, how did they live these things out? Because we've looked at it in some ways theoretically up to this point, although drawing applications. Now we look at it practically. How did these people, they got this command, what, what did they do with it? Was it just something that sat on a shelf in their home? Or how did they live it out? <coughs> and so today we look into how it's lived out. As we're looking at the Ten Commandments, this process and these commandments have been valuable for me, not only in preparation. In other words, it's been something that I've enjoyed and and been challenged by in looking at them, but also in examining my life, Nathan Bailey's life, according to these commandments. Some of the discussion of the commandments that has arisen out of this series has been stimulating also, I might point out, as it was last night when I went to get fried chicken for the picnic today. <coughs> Unfortunately, when I arrived, the deli, the lady at the deli told me with a sinking heart that was I the one who had called and placed that order. <laughs> well, when you get a response like that, you go, oh. well, the facts were um, she hadn't known, she hadn't been the one who took the order she hadn't known what the order was for, whether it was for wings or, or whatever. And so she freely admitted she threw it out. <laughs> and when I called up yesterday morning and placed the order, I said, well, the lady said, well, you want to pick it up at 4.30? I said, well, it, you, you're sounding to me like you're telling me you're busy, so I'll pick it up later than that. <laughs> so you can see events converging here as we're looking at the Sabbath day, right? We're examining the Sabbath day, and 
I'm thinking ahead now. Let's see. Is fried chicken any good if it's cold or if it's reheated? Well, <laughs> I don't know because I don't eat a lot of fried chicken. I like it when I eat it. <clears throat> so I had gone through this series of events, and then I was faced with a challenge when I got there to pick up my 64 or whatever pieces of fried chicken. What do you do when they say, oh, I'm sorry, we only have 24 pieces? <laughs> Uh, <laughs> well, I'll come back tomorrow. Hold it. <laughs> Hold it. What day is tomorrow? Tomorrow is the Sabbath. And just last Sunday, I think it was, the, the, the pastor, the preacher in my church was talking something about uh, restaurants, going to restaurants, these sorts of things on Sundays. Now, if that weren't me, that would be, you know, you could fudge a little bit and say, well, I think I was sleeping during that part of the message. <laughs> But since I wasn't sleeping during that part of the message, and I was the one saying, uh, uh, I better get this thing straight. Well, how many can you do, you know? She said, well, I, I could do a whole batch, and <coughs> that would be <coughs> 40, 48 pieces. And there's 24 pieces here, and a man came up and took the bag and walked off. <laughs> oh. So it is, shall we say, it has been uh, stimulating. And, and it has been even a little bit more stimulating because someone said to Sandy yesterday, um, and I, Nathan is going to pick up the chicken today, <laughs> meaning Saturday, not Sunday. And Sandy said, well, I'm sure he is. Anyhow, so when the rubber meets the road, sometimes it, it leaves a little bit of a stink. <laughs> But I will tell you that I did wait around for the chicken, much as I didn't want to wait around for the chicken. And if you doubt my word, you can go out and smell my car. (laughs) The value of common knowledge, common debate, is not only the people begin their discussions from the same plane, in other words, having heard or talked about the same sorts of things, but also this principle that we keep each other honest. That we keep each other honest. A question such as that. When is Nathan getting the chicken? Well, whether or not you had plans to get the chicken at a specific time, that's the kind of thing, if you're having a common debate, going into common understanding, everybody understands, well, what does that mean in the context of these messages regarding the Sabbath? Regarding last Sunday's message, it means, how does that fit in with this principle? And so as we go into these examples, I would like quickly to give you a synopsis, a summary of what we have seen as, and some extras as well, reasons for people ignoring the Sabbath. One of the most obvious is people say they have too much work to do. One of the ways in which this is carried out, then, is I believe if you carry these things out to their ultimate conclusion, I think ignoring the Sabbath may result in or may come out of a works mentality. What do I mean by that? I mean we people cannot let go and rely upon God. We think to ourselves that if I'm not working, if I'm not getting it done... If I'm not in the process of doing it, it won't happen. And what we leave out of the equation there is the fact that God is working even if we're not. 
And we think whether we have businesses or other projects or these sorts of things, we fail to recognize the fact that if we honor Him, God is able to honor us in such a way, number one, for instance, that He can bless our work on the six days of the week in which He is telling us actively to be working in such a way that we get further ahead than if we had also worked on the Sabbath. Or He can chip away at our work if we ignore His command regarding the Sabbath. Chip away at our work in such a way that working on the Sabbath gets us no further ahead. We have to recognize this principle. God is working even when we are not. Our work is not reliant upon us to get done. If it is work that we seek God's blessing in and we honor Him in, then He has a hand in it, just like He has a hand in in buttercream icing or anything else. (laughs) But what does buttercream icing have to do with it? Sue's buttercream icing on Saturday. God has a hand in these things if we honor Him. He will bless the work of our hands. That does not mean that everything we will do will succeed as we have a desire for it to succeed. That is not what God promises us in Scripture. Why else do people ignore the Sabbath? Well... This, again, is tied a little bit in with having too much work to do. But perhaps people set out to do too much. Perhaps people think that they are superhuman. And they swallow so much and accept so much that they cannot possibly get it done in the six days of the week when God commands us to do all of our work. Or perhaps, and this tied again with too much work, people are never satisfied. People have not learned... Perhaps some of us have not learned the joy of contentment with the job done and done well. And so that job must continually be fiddled with, fiddled a little bit more, add a little bit more here, perfect a little bit more there. So the job is never done. And you have to work on Saturday because you have to be working every possible minute in order to get that job done and do it perfectly, which we know you can't do. Oftentimes people ignore the Sabbath principle because they major on confusions. In other words, well, I'm I'm not sure exactly what Scripture is saying about this, and, and therefore it's just easiest not to do anything about this. The biblical example I think of with regard to that, in other words, well, some people tell me this and some people tell me that, and so I'm just, I, 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 it's easiest just not to do anything with it. Just leave it alone, don't, don't honor the Sabbath. And the example, again, that, that comes to my mind with regard to that, you remember the story, if you remember the story of the, <clears throat> the three servants who came to the master and the master gave them different talents. And he said, I'm going on a journey, you invest those talents. And you see what you come up with when I come back. And one man said to himself, as we see la- later in the story, he said, well, I, I don't know, this, he's a hard master. I, he, well, I'm not sure whether he's going to be happy if I invest it here or invest it there. I just better make sure he gets his money back when he comes back. He digs a hole in the ground, stuffs it in the ground. And the master is just disgusted and furious with him when he comes back. Majoring on confusions. Instead of saying, okay, what can I do with what I know? He said, well, it's easier just not to do anything. Stuff it in the ground. Others perhaps have a disregard for the Old Testament. The Old Testament is passe. It's out of date. The New Testament has replaced it. And finally, 
as we have dealt with over the last two weeks, there is genuine misunderstanding of, for instance, the book of Hebrews in chapter 4, which speaks of the Sabbath rest, and the other passages mentioned in the previous weeks. And so as we look at this, what we need to do is we need to look at scriptural examples. What are the biblical examples? How did people carry this out in their lives? And first we will look at examples regarding Sabbath observance. In other words, positive, godly examples. And the one that we cannot ignore, the one that we cannot not neglect, and the part of this passage that I did not specifically address last Sunday was the fact that the Lord is the example of Sabbath observance. When? We go way back, right? We go back to the creation. And that is the point at time at which the principle of Sabbath observance came into being. The Lord observed the Sabbath principle apart from, in other words, not specifically tied to the seventh day, but that was when it happened to be. He observed it during the creation. When he got done that work, he said, now it's time for a rest. And because he rested on that day, we see in our passage, <coughs> therefore, the Lord blessed the Sabbath day and made it holy. <clears throat> we see in Genesis chapter 2, verse 1, thus the heavens and the earth were completed in all their vast array. By the seventh day, God had finished the work he had been doing. So, on the seventh day, he rested from all his work. And God blessed the seventh day and made it holy, because on it, he rested from all the work of creating that he had done. <clears throat> you have to understand that there were two, two basic principles of daily life that were instituted prior to the fall. This was one of them. The other one of them was marriage. Adam and Eve were married by God before the fall. <clears throat> you can't go as far as scriptural history goes and principles for our use as human beings. You can't go farther back than that. <clears throat> Why is it that this institution of the Sabbath before the fall is used as a basis for the institution of the Sabbath after the fall among the Jews at this time in Exodus 20? Yet following New Testament times, Many people believe that this principle no longer applies. It applied before the fall, but somehow it doesn't apply now. <clears throat> the Lord did it, and he made it holy, and therefore we need to as well. He established it outside the bounds of his covenant with the Jews. And so we need to regard the Sabbath day principle as something that is not specifically tied to the Jewish people and their faith in the one God. <clears throat> Let us move forward to Christ in the New Testament. We find in the New Testament that there was a continuous controversy between Christ and the Pharisees on this issue, right? I believe that's part of the reason why we are having to deal with this issue now. What else did Christ debate with the Pharisees about? <clears throat> there were various and sundry things. This is the one that comes up time and time again. And so oftentimes, even though we know the Pharisees were ungodly men, religious leaders who were not religious in the true sense of the word, we get a little confused because we see them as carrying on the Old Testament tradition, right? 
we see the Pharisees as, in our minds, we say, okay, well, they knew it. They were the teachers of the law, and they were carrying on the Old Testament tradition. But Jesus came and he said, hold it. We put an end to that. We changed that. Things are different now. <clears throat> but we have to understand that is not the way that it was. We have to remind ourselves that the problem with the Pharisees was not that they were dedicated and devoted to the Old Testament principles. The problem with the Pharisees was that they had taken a, a, a sound ship, the Old Testament faith, and they had let it sit in the water so long that it had got barnacles all up one side and down the other. And seaweed was growing off the barnacles, and now you couldn't tell the ship anymore, and it wouldn't go in the water because it had such a nasty bottom. And so what Jesus was saying was, hold it, this thing is wrong. This ship isn't going anyplace. You have added all these things to it to the point that it is no longer reality. This is not the faith of the Old Testament. I am in the process of teaching you what the faith of the Old Testament was. Don't got, get tra caught in the trap, therefore, of thinking as the Pharisees of the ones who were carrying on Old Testament tradition. There is a little-known uh, <clears throat> engineering firm. We got we we seem to multiply with engineers in our congregation. But we, there's a little-known engineering firm that works on solutions for Orthodox Jews in Israel. Some of their assignments have been to design, for instance, an elevator that did not allow people to break the Sabbath. Now, these are modern modern-day, you know, elevators. So it has to be present day. This is not talking about the issues that they dealt with at that time because they were equally obscure and, and crazy. They've had to design an elevator that did not break the Sabbath because those stepping on the elevator would have to push a button that would then trigger something in the elevator to say, oh, he doesn't want to go to the second floor, he wants to go to the fifth floor. And therefore, in going through that process, it was work for the person stepping on the elevator. And according to the Orthodox Jewish faith, that's not permitted. <clears throat> this Jewish uh, engineering firm has had to design refrigerators that do not allow people to break the Sabbath. Now you say to yourself, how does a refrigerator allow someone to break the Sabbath? Well, quite simply, if you open the door, well, that's not breaking the Sabbath because you're allowed to open doors. The light comes on, you get your food out, and you close the door. Okay? Everything's, everything's fine right now. <clears throat> However, the more times you open the door, the lower, the higher the temperature gets inside the refrigerator. And at a certain point, when you've opened the door X number of times, the compressor comes on, right? To raise or lower the temperature in the refrigerator. That, if you have been the one opening the door and caused that compressor to come on, you have accomplished work. You've done it. And if it happened to be Saturday, it was Sabbath break. Okay. Now, there was an article in the, in the, I think it was the Wall Street Journal, the New York Times, I, I've got a copy of it, but that, that, that enumerated and listed these sorts of things out. And there were quite challenging solutions and quite challenging jobs for solutions. Um, <clears throat> the thing that the elevator, they, they figured out what to do with the elevator is simply that on a Saturday, you've got to plan a little extra time if you're going to step on an elevator in a 500 or 200 story building because it's programmed to stop on every floor. <laughs> so if you're going to the top, you might be faster taking the stairs. 
That way, you do not have to press the button and you will not be accomplishing work. Principle with regard to the uh, refrigerator is that the compressor goes all the time on the set. And so you cannot possibly get yourself involved in work by opening and shutting that door. You can do it as many times as you want. The compressor doesn't do anything any differently. Now, these things seem a little crazy, don't they? Do they seem crazy? They seem like minutia, tiny details, unimportant sorts of things. This is exactly what Christ was dealing with in his day and age. Do you remember the story of the time when Christ spit on the ground on dirt, made some mud and put it on a man's eyes? And the blind man was enabled to see as a result of that miracle? Well, that miracle happened on the Sabbath. And it just occurred to me over this past week as you put two and two together and you start coming up with some, some, some answers. <clears throat> that one of the things that uh, Edersheim, who has written a book, Life and Times of, of, of Jesus, indicates the Pharisees said was work on the Sabbath during that day and age was to spit on dirt because you were watering it. Now, you could spit on a rock because the rock didn't care. But the dirt did, and if you spit on the dirt, you were watering it. So I'm thinking about this and thinking, well, maybe, you know, Jesus spit there on the mud, and maybe they weren't just upset that he healed the man on the Sabbath because they were upset about that. Maybe they were also upset that he actually got that dirt wet on the Sabbath. This is the kind of thing we are dealing with. And so the fact that there was a raging battle between Christ and the Pharisees is not indicative of, the, of, of any lack on, on uh, an understanding of our part or Christ's part that, that Christ was saying the Sabbath has ended. It was not that at all. There was a war raging between one who was saying, you folks do not understand the law, and others who were saying, yes, we've carried the law out to the nth degree. We know exactly what the law prohibits and allows. <clears throat> One of these examples in Luke 13, indignant because Jesus had healed on the Sabbath, the synagogue ruler said to the people, There are six days for work, so come and be healed on those days, not on the Sabbath. This is what he was dealing with. The Lord answered him, You hypocrites! Don't each of you on the Sabbath untie his ox or donkey from the stall and lead it out to give it water. Then should not this woman, a daughter of Abraham, who Satan has kept bound for 18 long years, be set free on the Sabbath day from what bound her? In other words, this is to be a day of rejoicing in giving glory and praise in God's mighty works. How did Christ do that? He did it by going to the synagogue. <clears throat> We see in many passages in Scripture, <clears throat> Luke 4.16, for instance, he went to Nazareth where he had been brought up, and on the Sabbath day he went into the synagogue, as was his custom, and he stood up to read. And we see two, two, two things from that. First, that he went to the synagogue. This is a way in which he honored his father. This is a way in which he remembered the Sabbath day to keep it holy. But there's a little phrase that's beyond that, isn't it? As was his custom. We tend to think of customs as being something that aren't all that good, right, with regard to religious practice, with regard to our faith. Dead custom. Dead tradition. Th 
that was his custom. Christ made a habit. It was his habit. He was inured to it. This was something he did on a weekly basis to go to the church of that day in order to worship, to participate in what was going on there. That, 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 that's a very... Light bulb goes off with that one. As was his custom. He made it a habit. Why did he do this? Why did Christ need to go? I believe a lot of things and reasons as to why Christ did things are explained by Matthew 3.15, in which Jesus replied to John the Baptist when he said to John, Would you please baptize me? And, and John said, No, you should be baptizing me. Jesus replied, Let it be so now. It is proper us for, uh, it is proper for us to do this to fulfill all righteousness. Christ was concerned to do what was right. Not just to avoid doing what was wrong, but to do what was right. <clears throat> and then we find in John, several places, Christ says, My purpose is to do the will of Him who sent me. It's to please God. What else did Christ do on the Sabbath? He taught the people. Mark 6, 2, When the Sabbath came, He began to teach in the synagogue. What else did he do? We've already mentioned. He healed people. He gave them the blessing of returning their bodies to great physical condition when they had been suffering from illnesses and deformities for years and years and years. And he also had fellowship with others who professed the same faith. Now, that's a a complicated sentence, but the reason I put it that way is because in Luke 14, 1, we read one Sabbath when Jesus went to eat in the house of a prominent Pharisee. We don't know whether this man was typical of a Pharisee or more uh, progressive, more in line with Christ's thinking or whatnot. But he had fellowship with other people of the same faith. He refused to be restricted by man-made laws that made unbiblical prohibitions. Remember that. As we get into the Sabbath day, I tread lightly. Now, you may think oftentimes I'm not treading lightly, but oftentimes... I want to be very careful because it doesn't help us any if we do exactly the same thing today that they did in Jesus' times, does it? It doesn't help you any. It doesn't help me any. If I get up here and say, this is the list of things you may not do on the Sabbath day. Write them down. You will find an insert in your bulletin which lists from 1 to 533. Oh, was that 534? (laughs) That's not very helpful, is it? But you and I need to recognize this, that Christ refused to be restricted by the man-made laws that prohibited in an unbiblical way. And he insisted on acts of charity on this day. He did this through his actions, and he did this through his teaching. He had head on, time and time again with the Pharisees, this principle, you must be involved in works of charity. On this day, at the very least, These people need help. I am helping them. I can heal these people. This is the day on which I will do it, just as I'll do it on any other day. And this is another passage that seems somewhat obscure, but it tells us volumes about the Sabbath. He encouraged his disciples to pray to the end that we would not be required to flee in the end times on that day. Why? Why, if Sabbath observance is ended, would Christ say, pray that your flight will not take place in winter or on the Sabbath? 
He didn't say things without purpose. If the culture is moving in the direction that ours moves, in which the culture is doing exactly the same thing on the Sabbath as it is on every other day, then you can't say he said, pray that you won't have to flee on the Sabbath because you won't be able to get gas in your car. (laughs) That's not a problem, is it? What he was indicating was that you pray in order that this will not involve a physical hardship or a spiritual hardship. You pray that this will not cause you to have to freeze on your flight or will not cause you to be in a quandary as a result of your convictions regarding honoring the Sabbath day. Now we move quickly to the disciples. What did they do? They, like their teacher, were in the synagogues and other locations to spread the gospel on the Sabbath. They, like their teacher, met with believers on this day. (coughs) And they met with believers for fellowship, for communion, and teaching. Acts 20, verse 7 says, (coughs) and this is where we have a a change here, an indication that the day changed from the seventh to the first day for the New Testament church. On the first day of the week, we came together to break bread. Paul spoke to the people, and because he intended to leave the next day, kept on talking until midnight. Now, I'm, I'm going to do something here and skip the negative examples from Scripture. The only thing I'll say about that is this. In the Old Testament, if you look at the reasons why individuals and nations were judged, you will find God prophesying in such a way that He indicated judgments came not because of... Major judgments came not for minor reasons. In other words, He didn't hit them overhead with a two-by-four because they... Uh, reading food in the living room. He did it for serious issues. Sabbath breaking consistently comes up again and again and again. Find out for yourselves what else comes up in that context. Finally, I'd like to give some conclusions with regard to the Sabbath. Do as God wants, not as you want on the Sabbath. Isaiah fifty-eight thirteen. If because of the Sabbath you turn your foot from doing your own pleasure on my holy day and call the Sabbath a delight, the holy day of the Lord, honorable, and shall honor it, desisting from your own ways, from seeking your own pleasure and speaking your own word, then you will take delight in the Lord. And the Lord goes on to say, I will bless you. Do as God wants, not as you want on his day. Develop the habit of this day, even as Christ did. Plan and prepare for it as this passage in Exodus 20 tells us to do, for it to be separate, distinct, and holy. Approach the day from a positive standpoint, not a negative. We are not to be approaching the Sabbath day as the Pharisees did. The only thing they were concerned about was, what can you not do on this day? There were a few things they did do, but their main concern, and their main concern with regard to other people was, no, you cannot do that on this day. No, you, no, no, that's not allowed, that's that's prohibited. No, no. God's desire, as we see from the example of Christ, not only an example of rest in creation, but also in blessing other people. Not in making it a day for self, in making it a day for others. And so we need to be thinking, yes, there are negatives, but we need to be thinking more on how can I make this day a day of blessing for myself and for my family, other than, well, I can't do that. And finally, 
Remember that you have personal responsibility not only for yourself, but for how others use this day. Remember and recognize that in this issue as in any other significant issue that relates to biblical doctrine, your response to this issue touches on many other issues. If you or I decide we have to work on the Sabbath, it may not just be Sabbath-breaking. It may result in or begin in or end up in our not trusting God to accomplish our work for us. And it's what we are desiring to do is grow in faith and trust. Can you give this day to Him? (laughs) Will things go okay if you give this day to Him? And finally, do not let the world press you into its mold. Romans 12.12 says this, Do not conform any longer to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Then you will be able to test and approve what God's will is, His good, pleasing, and perfect will. Let's pray. Dear Lord, as we come through this message on the Sabbath, we desire for you to be glorified in our honoring and remembering of this day. We desire for you to be glorified in what we do and what we choose not to do. We desire for you to be glorified in the ways in which we bring blessing into the lives of others. Give us wisdom and insight into this, Lord, from your word and through your Holy Spirit. In Jesus' name, amen.